everyone, and welcome down to episode number 53 of the Down South Photo Show with me, Brendan Waits, here in Ocean Grove, Southern Victoria, Australia. And the Australia. guy over on the other screen over yonder in his Ockies hat, it's Cam Blake in Tasmania. Hello, Cameron. G'day, Brendan. How are you today? Very well, thank you. It's Brendan, by the way. Brendan, isn't it Brendan? No, everyone, yeah. everyone goes to Brendan. Is there a Brendan? Can you do Brendan? Yeah, Brendan's very, very common, but I'm a Brendan. Yeah. I get called um, a lot worse than Cameron, but we can't repeat that on this thing. I, get, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. I get called Cameron all the time. Really? Because when I answer the phone, You're camera, and, camera and photo Brendan speaking. Oh, hi, Cameron. Because <laughs> it's like yes. camera and photo, and they oh. just hear that and go, "Oh, his name's Cameron." Then, right? I always mm. thought that my name—it was my name, Cameron—because my dad was working with cameras. Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. Not um, a family but I, I, name? No, it's not a family name. I don't know where it came from. Mm. Um, my middle name is a family name, and it's a very, very rare middle name. But it is. You have you have a rare middle name? I do, and it's so that's from my great 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 grandmother i think something like that but okay. um but i remember working at camera house i'd get kevin all the time i get a kevin <laughs> how you going or kelvin yeah. uh callum kelvin kevin yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm good yeah after a while he's like yeah okay That'll yeah do. i um quick story when i worked at camera house in geelong we had well do we have name tags at camera house in we did i've still got yeah. mine yeah yeah well i had my name tag i took it to camera house at geelong because they were all generic Mm. And I had this lady come up to me one day and she goes, she looks at my name tag, she goes, Oh, hello, Bernard. Bernard. <laughs> Lucky like she didn't call you Brendon. Well, Bernard. Bernard. Saint Bernard. Hello, Bernard. Yeah. Um, how have you been, my friend? I've been good. Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty good. Just uh, apologies for a week off last week. Yeah. Um, we didn't record. I was uh, out hiking. A little bit longer than we expected on a on a trip that got a little bit out of control. Um, so we were no, meant this, to be back this, this in time. This means Cam's got a story. Oh, do I have a story? God. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we were out a bit longer. I was expecting to get back in time on the Thursday to record and roll it out last Friday, but it just didn't happen like that. We ended up getting back uh, about lunchtime Friday. Uh, it took us, uh, yeah, about four days, three and a half days to walk 16 kilometres, if that gives you an idea of the trip I've been on. So the terrain wasn't uh, overly friendly? It wasn't. Uh, you probably can't see it, but I'm, I look like a, I look like a druggie at the moment. I've got oh. scratches all up my arm. I've got scratches oh. all over my fingers. I've got bruises all down my leg. Uh, I tore the ass out of my pants. So you should have seen the other guy. <laughs> well, the other guy actually had his ass torn out too. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was one of those trips. Um, right. And tore a hole in my backpack. Uh, yeah, it was a crazy trip. What the back. hell happened on this trip? Do you want to hear the story now, or do we want to get into it later on? No, we're we're rolling it out. All we're rolling time. it right. So get, get into it. All right. So first, I'll, I'll give a shout out to the two other walking companions slash crazy people that came with us. So I had this idea. There's this spot behind me. So this shot is taken from the walk we just went on. Uh, I won't give too much detail away because it's an ultra, ultra, ultra sensitive location in the southwest of Tasmania. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, you don't. But to get there, there's two different ways you can go there. You can go up this Mount Anne track and around and get to it, or you can come up this other, what we call the Northeast Ridge track. Um, we decided that we're just going to go up this Northeast Ridge track and then back down out the same way. And we got going and it was absolute hell for leather going through Scaparia tree, which is what scratches you up. Uh, massive climb uh, up a mountain through a forest, ducking and weaving on the fallen horizontal forest. Anyway, we got to this amazing spot. We camped a bit further back down the track. And the next morning we woke up and we thought, right, well, you know, we can just go back down the same way we came. But geez, it was hard. The map looks pretty straightforward if we just go back around the mountain and go the semi-long way back to the road where we started from. Um, that was the idea. It didn't really turn out like that because we ended up doing, on average, on this start, last, second last day we were out, um, how, how far, how many metres an hour do you think we were moving in this last? <laughs> it, it took us uh, a few hours. How many hours, uh, metres per hour do you reckon it was? Uh, it sounds to me like you were probably doing like one kilometre an hour or something. That would, that would have been great if we were. <laughs> we were doing 300 metres an hour. Oh, my goodness. And the reason being is if it wasn't if it wasn't rock hopping and rock scrambling through scrub, 
we were hanging on the side of a cliff, uh, rock scrambling with 20 kilo packs on, oh. going scaling around <laughs> the tallest mountain in the southwest of Tasmania. Uh, so yeah, it took us. It it took us. We we made it. We we had to commit. Once we started, we were, we were going, and we got about halfway around and. We're like, nah, this is this is not cool anymore. This is getting dangerous and this is not it's fun. Getting silly. It's getting a bit silly. And then to top it off, we were meant to make it down to the road to meet a friend of ours who was going to shuttle us back to the car. We could see him off the peak of the mountain. We could see him driving down the car with his lights on. We're like, well, we're not going to make that trip. Um, and then we got to the last bit before this hut we ended up staying in. And we thought the hut was only five minutes away. An hour and a half later, we still weren't at the hut. Uh, and we were scaling down almost a vertical cliff in the dark with head torches with about 110k gusts winds. Right. Uh, Luke, there was two Lukes on the trip. So Luke O'Brien, who I share the gallery out at Richmond with, and uh, Luke Uberbuck, who's a friend of mine from Melbourne, or Eberbuck, I can never get his last name right. He killed me for that. Um, Luke O'Brien's glasses blew straight off his head just before we started climbing down the cliff in oh, the dark. Oh, no. That was good. Talking of horror stories. Yeah. Um. And yeah, when we got to this hut and then the other Luke, who's a bit fitter than all of us, decided that he'll, he'll push down the last couple of Ks to the road to at least meet this guy to say that we're not dying or we're not dead. Um, I don't know. Have you, have you ever seen the Seinfeld episode when Seinfeld's trying to hold back having a spew for so many years? Like he has his spew <laughs> yes. record. Yes. I, I broke my spew record on this trip once we got down from this hill. Really? Uh, I don't know if it was the adrenaline, the exhaustion or a bit of everything. Um, but I, I was a bit unwell and we ended up staying the night. I was fine after I'd been sick. I was fine. It was just everything had to come out. So it was an epic, epic trip. We did 16 kilometers in four days. Um, and the to top it off, the weather wasn't exactly what we wanted. It was actually probably too good, the weather. We wanted a bit of mood and mist and stuff. Uh, this happened behind us for about maybe 20 minutes, but it was full on. Um, it was the most... It was the sketchiest and scariest bit of walking I've done in my walking career, I reckon. Um, wow. It was it was bordering on very dangerous. Um, the last descent into the hut was, it was it was stupid. We should have, we couldn't set up tent up the top because it was, we would have blown our tents off the mountain. Um, we were getting to the point where we're looking in crevices and these rocks thinking, okay, we can probably put a sleeping bag in there and just sleep the night out on the side of this mountain in the rocks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was nuts. And, um, I don't think I'll be doing that again in a hurry. That's for remind sure. Remind me, remind me to never go on a hike with you. <laughs> well, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you've committed now. Guess where we're going. I've changed that's the, right. I've changed the that's route. That's right. Um, okay. but it, it was nuts, but amazing, amazing countryside, like crazy, crazy views. And, but it was just, you know, pack like packs off, pass a pack up, rock climb, look behind you and go, okay, I don't want to go backwards, just keep going up. It was crazy. So um, my hot take on that is how did your camera gear fare? Well, for the first section, it was like getting up the forest and stuff. That was all okay. It was just forest and trees. Um, it was when we started climbing through all the scaparia and bushes and around the rocks and stuff. Uh, my camera went in a bag. I didn't. I barely got my camera out. I took a handful of shots along yep. the way around. Uh, so once my... you kind of realised that, you know, it didn't become a photographic expedition anymore, it became a survival expedition. Yeah, it, it That's when the did. camera just went, no, nah, that's gone in the pack. Yeah. Um, I think we stopped a few times. I got the, I got out a couple of times to take some snaps. Um, but it, it was, because usually it sits on the front of my bag. Uh, but when you're trying to get up rocks and stuff, you can't, you're squashing the camera and killing it. So it went in the bag. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Uh, there was hardly any water up there. So, we were literally crushing snow into our drink bottles to keep hydrated. Wow. Um, and then we found some little lakes and tarns that we were able to fill up on. But, yeah, it, it was survival mode. Um, there was one section where we had to climb up, which was, it was a vertical climb for about 20 metres. And uh, Luke, uh, one of the Lukes was looking at me. He's like, no, I don't think about, I don't know about this. And the other Luke's like, oh, well, we've got to go back the other way. It's a long way. What do we do? And so we had a few, a few of those moments where we sat down as a committee yeah, and and decided if it was worth it or not, but it was um, it was full on. Um, so I, so you kind of reached the point of no return because it was harder to go back than to push on. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Well, yeah, it was harder to go back, but we didn't know what was ahead. Right. So we yeah. we knew what we'd been through, and we thought, yeah. okay, well, that's shit. <laughs> we don't, we don't yeah. want to do that again. Yeah. yeah. Um. Hopefully, and 
the thing was we're swinging around this big peak we were going to meet up with the with the main track that goes up to this mountain which is generally a lot nicer and easier uh which it was to a point but the fact is we we're running out of light so by the time we got to one of the most crucial descents off the mountain it was blowing a, an absolute gale I'm, I'm i'm confident it was over 100k gusts wow like it literally it was blowing us off the track I, I had to sit down on the track a few times and just shuffle myself along just towards the edge so i didn't so get blown, get blown over yeah, yeah. And then wow. we had to descend. We lost all the canned little markers all the way down the hill. We couldn't see them. So we were, we were literally climbing down uh, almost a sheer cliff in darkness. It was stupid. But, <laughs> you know. But you live to tell the tale. Well done. Yeah. Well, we've got a few nice shots. We've got a, definitely got an experience. And it's not a walk that many well, people well do. Bloody well hope you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not a walk that many people do. In, in the little log book at the start of this book, the last person to go there, there's only been two people this year that have gone on through that track this year. So it's yeah. not frequent much. Um, and there's a, I, think, I think we figured out why. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, uh, it's a toughie. It was crazy. Well but, done. Uh, yeah. So my ankle's a bit sore. I've got bruises. The other two Lukes both lost their voice, which is weird. Okay. So I don't know if they were yelling or screaming inside with terror. Laryngitis. Maybe, um, but I, f I feel good. I was, I'm, I'm starting to recover today. We've been back a few days now, but ankle's a bit sore and I've got, you know, I've got no fingerprints. All my fingerprints are gone from grabbing onto these rocks. And um, so I'm trying my, my laptop here, you, you put on with a fingerprint to get it going. No, nah, I've got to type the password in. Now's the time to go and rob a bank. Well, I was thinking that I could go, go commit some crimes and probably get yeah. away with it. Do it. So yeah, it was a, it was a good trip. So how was your week compared to that? Well, that's all we've got time for on the Down South Photo Show. Thanks there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was uh, that's quite quite the ordeal. Um, my week uh, pales into insignificance. I did get the camera out a couple of times. I've been yeah. out just the local beach sort of stuff, and um, the uh, every sort of half a kilometre there's a stairway that goes down to the beach here in Ocean Grove, and it's sort of what Ocean Grove Beach is known for. So I've been yeah. sort of ticking off a few more of them. Yeah, cool. over the over the week uh so I managed to get out a couple of times with the camera which was good yeah um also had a bit of a, an, a i suppose a, a little adventure not quite up to yours but um so a friend of ours in barwon heads uh, barwon heads is a, the the town on the other side of the barwon river from ocean grove yeah um poor girl uh lost her dog oh um she in the ocean a, uh, or in the river? no so she she'd um she had only she had a rescue dog. She'd only had it for about a year. Uh, very very skittish little, not my kind of dog at all, but was her kind of dog. That's fine. Little Chihuahua cross thing. Anyway, long story <laughs> short, this thing bolted away from her in the main street of Barwon Heads. Awesome. And just took off, gone. Right, couldn't find it anywhere. And then so she put out on social media that she was looking for a dog. And then someone said, oh, they'd spotted it running through a paddock down beside the reserve uh, off an area. Uh, for those of you who know there, it's where the Juralinga Wildlife Sanctuary used to be. Right. And it's all sort of reserved, bit of farmland there. And so she went straight down there, of course, couldn't spot this thing. The dog's white. Like, it wouldn't be that hard to see, you wouldn't think. No. So anyway, I get a phone call. Um, you know your drone? <laughs> Do you think you might be able to? I said, sure. This is on Father's Day, actually. Right. Um, so uh, I... Uh, Search and rescue via drone. We did. So we went and put the drone up and um, started hunting around. And, um, mm. you know, Chihuahuas are pretty small. Uh, so I had to yeah. fly the drone pretty low to the ground. And uh, this was two days after this dog had disappeared, by the way. So I didn't hold out much hope for this little pooch. Um, and after flying the drone around for about 15, 20 minutes, a big rainstorm came through. So it grounded me. Yeah. Um, so we put the drone down and then. So the rescue party was grounded due to weather. Well, and then the wind came. So it might have been when you were out getting blown off a mountain. But um, yeah. so, yeah, we had to sort of pull the pin on it. And then um, a day later, we get a text message that the dog had found its way home. <laughs> so uh, Not so stupid, dog. Happy ending. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that was a little adventure and put my drone to Could use. So I never thought I'd ever use it before. So there you go. I used my drone a few months ago. Uh, my daughter threw one of her croc shoes on the roof. Ah, and I used my drone with the downforce from the propellers to push it back off the roof. <laughs> Fantastic! I'll tell you so, what, I, I had no hope of it actually working, and then it worked almost straight away. I'm like, hey, you know, I was a hero for at least 
two and a half seconds in my house. You could start a business getting, was it a croc? It was a croc, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like so it. they flew off pretty easy, but um, yep. yeah, that's a good, that's a good ending story. Yes. Yeah. So it did have a happy ending. Now your, so your background is from your recent trip. Oh, it is. Yes. This is uh, so, from the Southwest and yours we, is. My background is from uh, Malakuta in far Eastern Victoria, for those of you playing mm. along at home. Uh, it's the, actually, Malakuta is the easternmost town in Victoria. Um, in fact, if you look at those hills in the distance there, that's well into New South Wales. So you're looking sort of north up the coast there. That's right. at a little point, little place in Malakuta called Bastion Point. Yes. Uh, fantastic little spot. That photo was taken in 2009. Oh, yeah. So really recently then. That's good. Very recently. There's a blast from the past. And I've yeah. smudged my camera again. Again. You know, look pixelated again. Do you clean your hands up. at all? At least you've got fingerprints. True. To yeah. smudge things with. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a little long exposure fun with the tripod, and that's yeah. shot on my Cameron. That is shot on my Olympus E three hundred. Good. Now you remember a couple of episodes ago, going back a bit now, that you bought a new camera, and there was like this big wow about the camera, and like this big build up for months about what this camera was that you're going to build, and then you pulled out an iPhone. Yes. Have you used that at all for any photos? <laughs> many. Many. Okay. Many. Yeah. Have, you, have, have you been absolutely. selling many? Um, I've actually sold a few photos that I've shot with the iPhone. Okay. Um, in fact, so when was it? Uh, a couple of days ago. So I've actually started getting in shape for this Overland track, can believe it or not. So <laughs> Shit. Does, I that know, I have, does, that mean, does that mean I have to as well? Uh, with a couple of friends of mine, we we go boxing on a Monday morning uh, at the boxing. top of the lookout stairs. We do it's a, a walking. It's a walking trip, not a boxing. I trip. know. But we also incorporate stair climbs with it. So we've got a set of stairs. Uh, Ocean Grove locals who listen all know the lookout stairs. There are 74 stairs on a lookout stairs. So um, and that'll get you about 500 meters along the overland track. Exactly. So I figure <laughs> if I do that like 8,000 times, I'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. So um, every morning we go boxing, we try and do at least half a dozen stair climbs and do boxing in between and that sort of stuff. So I, I would recommend that you start putting a backpack on when you do that as well. Yes, that's going to be coming. Good. And and also, so the, the reason for this story is because on Monday morning, yesterday morning, uh, I got, I was doing a stair climb and I got to the top of the stairs, happened to have my, I only had my phone with me because I had a timer on it because we're timing oh, yeah, it yeah, out front. Of yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice bit of sunrise there. So <laughs> flip the camera yeah. around to Took start to photo. take photos and the guys down the bottom are like, ah, uh, you want to sort of get back into the exercise down yeah, here? Yeah, get back they on, had to, They had to box until I got back down the stairs. So. Oh, right. Yeah, I know which one you're doing. Yeah, yeah. One, two people box, one runs up the stairs and back. Correct. So I'm, I'm, yeah. pretty much the, uh, I'm pretty much the PT when we do these things. So yeah, yeah. I sort of got up there and went, oh, that's a nice bit of composition there. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, whoops, better get back down. Meanwhile, while there. Hurry the bloody Absolutely buggered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. that's good. Yeah, well, yeah. doing training is good. And um, yeah, like I said, the did walk you, we just did was good training, so... I'll, I'll put the photo up here, but did you see the um, the photo I did of that bee in my backyard? I did see the bee photo. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. I've said it before, but the iPhone's macro mode is yeah. nuts. Well, Lisa, nuts. Lisa, Lisa did one out the front here the other day on a, yep. on a on her iPhone. This little bee was just hanging around, and yep. she put on a leaf, and then you wouldn't move, and she took photos of it. I'm like, oh, yep. okay, that's yeah. pretty and impressive. Can, yeah, I mean, you can literally put the the lens on top of your subject, and, yeah. and it flicks it to automatic macro mode, and what do they think crazy, of next? Crazy yeah. stuff. Hey, one other thing I needed to mention that I did just the other day, I did my Cradle Mountain OM Digital Day. Yes. And for um, artists formerly known as Olympus. And yes. I had one of our biggest followers on that trip. Oh, who did uh, we Mr. Mr. Phil McCullum, who had come down from Queensland yep. specifically to come and attend the Olympus Day at Cradle. So it was lovely to meet you, Phil. Uh, he took himself a hoodie home for his wife, one of the hairy tall hoodies. Nice one. And uh, we had a good day. He, uh, we actually saw something that I've never seen at Cradle Mountain before. And did you think I had a camera on me? No. Had, all the customers kidding. had, I had no camera on me. We <laughs> saw a mum wombat with a little baby wombat. So this mum wombat's walking along eating and the yeah. baby one's hanging out the back eating as it went along. So they, they're backward facing pouches. <laughs> so it was almost like a lawnmower both ends. Um, and everyone in the group, uh, one of the ladies, Rhonda, she had the big 300 F4, so the 600 yep. mil lens. Yeah. Um, and she just sent me through some photos today, but I've never seen, I've seen babies around, but I've never seen one popping out eating as mum walks along. So, uh, but yeah, we had a great day and it was good to meet Phil and 
Uh, he said the say hello to you. He said I'm the better host, but you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was good. It was good. Um met a few nice people on that um that trip, so it was great. Cool. Mm. Very good. Um so we 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 were sort of racking our brains for what we could talk about tonight. And of course, tis the season. We are now in September, which means it's springtime officially, according yeah. to the calendar. Uh, you wouldn't a... know it here in Oak gonna... Grove today. Yeah. I saw a brass monkey looking for a welder. It's so cold <laughs> still. It's still we, very, very chilly down here. We had snow to 200 metres yesterday. There you go. So, yeah, so, we've got mates of ours up at uh, Hotham at the moment. They said it snowed all day yesterday. So. Yeah, it's been bucketing down there as well. Yeah, so springtime is uh, it's a great time. That's maybe why, that's obviously why the little wombats were out because it's all yeah. spring. All spring. Well, that, that, was, that was kind of where I was going to start. Like, uh, I mean, although we are essentially landscape photography podcast. Um, I, I know you've utilised wildlife more than once in your photos, particularly mm-hmm. your friendly little, your furry little wombat friends down there at Cradle. Yeah. Um, so spring's always a good time. Wildlife gets very, very active, as we all know. So, it does. Yeah. yeah work, working some wildlife in your shot works for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, if you're smart about it, you can sort of find good good bits of animals and wildlife around your local areas. Yeah. Obviously, we'll do a disclaimer. Just keep your distance and from animals and don't. Uh, don't frighten them and they won't frighten you. Um, we saw on this south coast, uh, southwest walk the other day, we saw a snake. Big, giant, fat, black one out sunning himself. Yeah. Uh, this is crazy. Like, what the hell is he doing at this time of year? Just coming we were, out of hibernation, I would have uh, thought. We were looking for places to pitch tents and Luke is like, oh, what about over here? And he's like, nope, nope, not over here, not over here. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, what? He's like, what? He goes, oh, there's a big black. And like he said, he was big. Yeah, I said okay. We might go back by the river where we thought we were going to go. Let's just <laughs> do that. But but yeah, it's a great time to shoot wildlife, and yeah, you know all the all the wildflowers start coming out as well. And well, which sort of leads me to this part of the discussion. So you're off to the Flinders Ranges again next week, is that right? Uh, I leave this weekend. Yes, this weekend. Yep. Yeah. Um, are we we're going to be in for some wildflower action at the Flinders Ranges camp. Hope so. Yeah. Is it happened that time of year? I haven't even looked. <laughs> well, it's spring, so I would have yeah. thought so. Um, wild flowers in general can make brilliant foreground yes. subjects. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got in your background there, you've got the foliage going on, but when you start to get particularly native flowers here in Australia, like your wattles and things like that, yeah. which it can be quite striking. But yes. in WA, yeah. it is well and truly on the bucket list to do mm. the wildflowers in Western Australia and South Australia for that matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Flinders Ranges, and I think we did plan this one not only around no moon, so plenty of clear skies for night stuff, but also hopefully the emergence of the spring and the, and the flowers. So I will yep. keep you updated. Um, hopefully well, we do get something. In South Southern Australia, mainland Australia in particular, being one of the wettest winters mm. on record, I, I could only imagine that you're going to be in for some pretty cool, yeah, pretty a bit of a show as far as the uh, wildflowers are concerned. It would be good. And I looked at the weather forecast for the week where they're, geez, it's terrible. 25, 26 degrees every day, sunny. You won't know yourself. Uh, I, I might have to pack some shorts. You might have to pack some sunscreen. <laughs> I might have to take sure my hat there. I don't get a red, a red <laughs> noggin. Uh, yeah, but yeah, exactly. we're, looking, we're looking forward to getting up there. Hopefully um, be good if we get some colour up there on the, on the flowers and stuff. So Yeah. 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 And, and you'll find... I mean, I've seen photos out of WA during the springtime where the colour's almost too much, like it's turned up yeah. to 11. You've got to, yeah, particularly yeah. if you combine that with a cracking sunset. Well, that's so, that's that's the thing, isn't it? You can, you can have wildflowers, but then you can also, you need something else to go with it. Yes. Um, so that's where, you know, that start of the day or end of the day works really well. And yeah, uh, putting, I'm just looking up the wildflowers you can see. So if, you're, if, you, if you were looking for, um, and we, we talk about composition endlessly, but if, if you're looking for a solid composition when it comes to wildflowers, it, it, generally speaking, and I suppose it depends on the size of the flowers as well. So if you get yeah. the little small, like, you know, the carpet of them, well, yeah. that in itself is the photo. But if you want to isolate individual flowers and stuff in your foregrounds, um, is that something that you're into? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I use, and this is where like the Tassie stuff, like this um, pandeni here, Sometimes they grow quite small and where we were the other day, they had what's called pineapple grass, which is like a small, funny, it looks like a top of a pineapple. Um, and if I don't think you can see it on my shop, but all the little bits and pieces of flowers there or, or scopari are actually frozen. So yeah, definitely. If you've got something that's colorful, 
uh, like a wildflower, you can certainly use that wide angle lens to your advantage. And, you know, getting in nice and close, you can actually make that foreground really pop. Um, yeah. And color really does actually help lead you through your shots as well. So, you know, if you've got a, an avenue of flowers or a riverbed of flowers or a paddock of flowers, you can actually make that work quite well. So, yeah, definitely look for that. Like anything that's for foreground interest is what we're looking for. Um, and then again, if it's springtime, like we're talking at springtime photography, then having having the flowers there sort of automatically dictates what time of year the photo's taken. And then, you know, you can put it in your calendar for September, October, November. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, which sort yeah. of harkens back a little bit to uh, what we talked about, I don't know it was last episode or two episodes ago, about focus stacking. Yep. Um, so wouldn't you know it, my algorithm has, has started delivering me focus stacking tutorials on no. YouTube. So well, what a surprise. I know. Is, um, it like, is, it, is it like they listen or something? And it's really interesting, you know, that there's a bit of a divide about focus stacking um, in the community. So, for example... Um, Don't get me started. James Popsis, who yes. we've spoken of before, and one day will be on this show. Um, mark my words, James, whether you like it or not. He he has a he has a video entitled "Why I Never Focus Stack My Photos." Now he, yeah. he's he's similar to you and and to a lesser extent me in that, um, yeah, shoot, yeah. shoot at f sixteen, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. And that, that we had that conversation the other day on there about um, you know it's the cameras. Everyone says, "Oh, you just focus stacking the cameras." It's actually focus bracketing. Yeah. So what it's what it's doing? It's trying to find that one sweet hyperfocal distance. But people have taken it to another level where they're now just stacking yeah. things together, and yeah, I, I don't, I still don't get it. We have, well, we have, we've had this conversation on the walk we just had, and yeah, I don't, Do you I know, don't get it. You, you know Nick Page? I know Nick. Nick I don't Page. know him, but I know of him. You yes, know, yeah, yeah. So he's a fantastic YouTuber, and his tutorials are really good. And he's got a whole tutorial about focus stacking. Now he he makes the very valid point. Now, sorry, folks, we're talking about focus stacking because the topic of wildflowers has come up, and. Yeah. Um, quite often you might want a, like a bunch of wildflowers in the foreground, but you might want the mountains. So if they shot behind Cam, Cam's obviously isolated his foreground because he's used, um, I'm going to take a stab at around F4, something like that for that shot, Cam. Is it? Thank you very much. That's spot on. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, because you can see the, you know, the background's out of focus and yeah. um, you know, your, mid, your mid area is in focus and your foreground's slightly soft. Which is great and works really well for that shot. Had that shot been focus stacked, Cam would have taken a photo, uh, focused, so locked off his camera on a tripod, set his exposure to manual, so the exposure was the same all the way through the shot, and then basically chosen different focal points, four, five, yeah. six different focal points through the shot, right back to the mountains behind him. And you can see the mountains now are completely blurred out, which is great because it brings your eye right back to those pandemic yeah. in the foreground, which is yeah. your main subject. So um, Nick Page was talking about doing shots like this. Okay, why not just shoot at f16, f22? And he made a very valid point, and that is that lenses generally are nowhere near their sharpest at f16 and f22, particularly not at f22, but yeah. you know, at f16. Even you know high-end L series lenses, and 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 even you know the artists formerly known as Olympus, their Zuko lenses yeah. have been yeah. known to be a wee bit soft at f16 yeah. and f22. So there's a, there is a valid point there. It depends, I suppose, on just how sharp you want the image to be. Well, um, it, really, it really should depend on what you're doing with the image as well. That's right. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard people about focus stacking, you know, I want if I want to do focus stacking because I want that foreground, the background, crisp, sharp all the way through. Yeah. And my next question is, okay, how do they print? Do they look good? Oh no! I just put them on Instagram or Facebook yeah. or hard drive. So <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're, I can compress this shot behind me down to 300 by 300 pixels, and everything looks sharp. Yeah, that's right. It's 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 one of those fads that people have bought have been sort of bought into as to a feature that they like. Yeah. Um, I think for macro photography, it's awesome. Yeah. I think it works really well, but um, but yeah, I think you know f16, f22, yeah, they're not traditionally the sharpest part of the lens. But again, it's, you know, if you can get sharpness from foreground to background, um, you know, generally it's it's pretty good. Like you, you'd be searching pretty hard to find those soft spots on most yeah. shots. And if you print them out, you know, a lot of that softness is probably going to disappear into the paper I, you're using. And I kind of get it. I mean, I, I understand why people like it. It's, it, it. I've never focused stacked an image in my life. Um, mm. But it, I don't know, for some reason, I kind of want to try it just to see yeah. what it will do for... 
okay, so, you know, we're talking about the stair photos that I take, you know, um, which are really, really popular in my shop. They Because people connect with the stairs. Oh, what stair number is that? Oh, that's 9W. Yeah. Oh, that's the one we hang out at. Oh, great, I'll buy that and put it on my wall. Yeah. Uh, particularly, you know, people are visiting the area. But nine times out of 10, it is shot at F16 because I've got, you know, here at Ocean Grove, we've got a bay around yeah. to the bluff at Bowen Head. So that's like, that's background subject, if you like. So, um, you know, I like to have everything from the the stairs at my feet all the way through. So I just shoot at F16. Yeah. But if I enlarge that up to quite a big canvas, you can start to see, well, it's not as sharp as you probably thought it was. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if there's any change at all, if I focus stack it in terms of marketability of the image, but also just the look and feel of the image in itself. Like, is yeah. it going to, would it, does it make it better? And I, I doubt that it will. The, the ones that always strike a bit of a chord with me are those ones that you see from Patagonia. Yeah. And they got something big in the foreground and the massive mountains in the background. And it's you can tell it's focus stacked and it's probably blended. And it just looks, to me, I reckon it looks a bit unreal because our yeah. eyes don't have that much depth of field, really. No, so if we're looking at you know the pandemic next to us here, if I look at that, then naturally everything else is going to be blurred around anyway. Yeah. So I think people really do buy into this. Oh, everything needs to be sharp from front to back argument way too much. I think if you're spending that much time trying to get stuff front to back sharpness, then, and you don't realize that you can probably achieve the same thing 98% of the time by just using the right aperture. Yeah. Um, you know, then I think you're missing the point a bit, but each their own, you know, we're not, we're not controversial on this show. No, <laughs> never. Never. Never, but but more importantly, we're not robots. And if you want no. to try something different, go ahead and try it. Give it a go. Yeah. It might be your yeah. thing. You might you might discover that it's absolutely your thing. And we talk about focus stacking being really uh, useful for macro. Mm. Um, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't focus stack with yeah. macro. Um, but yeah, for landscape, it's interesting. It's not everyone's cup of tea. We've yeah. completely gone off the rails here with our springtime talk. But the other point I wanted to make about springtime. <laughs> is, that what, is that what we're talking about? <laughs> yeah. The other thing I want to make about springtime is particularly if you live where Cam does or if you're in Victoria mm. or New South Wales, you've got high country, the snow melt happens mm, and we get waterfalls going off left, right and centre and bubbling, babbling brooks and all that sort of stuff. So it can really add mm. to the atmosphere of your photos when you've got a lot of lot of water coming down those yeah. those creeks and rivers yeah and the thing is also i think what's nice about springtime is the afl finals yes. uh, um how, how's your no i go there um <laughs> no and you know why you i know i was going to say i think the good time about it is obviously afl finals but the days get a bit longer days get a bit warmer yeah. um you get a bit more time to go out and explore and shoot without it being stinking hot or freezing cold. So yeah. it's a really good time of year to get out there and, you know, everything everything comes to life in spring. Like I said, all I the flowers, it. the I animals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I even look at the calendar when we when we go through the uh, the winter the winter solstice and mm. it's like, which is around the 21st, 22nd of June. Yeah. And it's like, okay, all right, here we are. Now we've turned, that's yeah. the tipping point where the days are now starting to get longer yeah, right. instead right. of shorter. We're on the home stretch now. To, when we get to about now, like mid-September, well, we're you know we're starting to get close to the spring equinox, and that's yeah. when uh, that's when things really start to happen. So there's um, nothing yeah. there's nothing better when you, and again, we're not a footy show. But there's nothing better when you you see the finals footy on TV, and it's at the MCG, and it's sunny, and it's twenty degrees. Yeah, it's yeah. a great time of year. Yeah. I love it. The cut always. grass and all the smell of the cut yeah. grass. It used to fantastic. used to always remind me, like, oh crap, preseason cricket's coming. <laughs> I mean, for another year of coming off twenty yards and. Yeah, 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 but yeah. I just, you know, it just puts a, a pep in your step when you get that sun on your back and you feel yeah. it, as you say, the, the low 20s temperatures that that uh, people down south here uh, put up with. I know we've got yeah. some listeners up north in Queensland, like yeah. um, like Phil, was Phil. it? Yeah, yeah, Phil. Yeah, Phil's up that Phil's way. Up, yeah, he'll yeah. Be, so, he, he was actually taking layers off at Cradle Mountain the other day. He goes, I can't yeah. believe how warm it is down here. It's crazy. So. And uh, and also our northern hemisphere listeners, sorry to make you jealous, but we're heading into the good season, and you're gonna mm-hmm. you're about to start heading the other way. Yeah. Hey, do we do we need to mention the Queen's passing? That was pretty that sad. Was, that was um, uh, look not unexpected. I no. mean, she was ninety six years old. But, She's pretty uh, old. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it as the only uh, monarch we've ever known, yeah, uh, in our yeah. lifetime, it's it's pretty. It was pretty pretty impressive. Uh, I'm not a royalist, but um, I get it and I understand yeah. the, the the pomp and ceremony and the tradition and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so, yes. yeah, 
yeah no it's R- pretty r.i.p yes absolutely and it's it's amazing like it's just we we actually didn't know we we're on the mountain and we got a mess i got a message from lisa on my little little gps thingy and she said the queen's dead and i thought i can't believe she's watching the game of thrones without me How rude. <laughs> and then i went oh no no they, the queen yes that's went, right. wow so well, yeah we'll, so it's pretty we'll sad but We'll put a link to your queen story in the bio. We'll yeah, yeah, we'll put, yeah, tag that in if you want. That's a good we'll, one. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, um, so of course, as per usual, we're, we're running over time. We're going to leave that other topic for next week, Cam. So good um, idea. it's time for tip of the week. We need a little sting. Tip of the week. Bang. Mm. No. No. Maybe we'll get someone who's got a singing voice to sing it. Um, Hey, I, hey, before you go into tip of the week, sorry, I need to be yes. rude and pop in. I think we need to give a shout out to the other podcast that's trying to be like us, which oh. is the the Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure podcast. Oh, okay. We got we got a shout out on that that podcast. Did we? We did, yeah. So um, apparently Matt, who's, I, I imagine he's the beauty of the, the whole thing. I don't know about the brains, but then there's Tom and I don't know if Tom's, I don't know, I can't figure out who's who yeah. there, but yeah. uh, I think there's a little bit of jealousy going on there that- who, um, who's- in in that podcast, who's me and who's you? Ooh, um, <laughs> I I, re- I reckon I reckon you might be Tom and I might be Matt. I reckon. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I, I haven't know. met Tom, but I have met Matt. So uh, yeah. So, but anyway, they they gave us a shout out, and Matt was a little bit a little bit jealous that um, you know Tom and I are sort of doing a few things together, and that right. this podcast is going well. So there's a little bit of little bit of jealousy going on there, but they did the give us a shout way. out and. I do believe the words uh, "the easily the best podcast photography show in Australia" was mentioned a couple of times by them. So, oh, very nice. A shout out to them if they're listening, which obviously very Matt kind. is. So, very kind. <laughs> um, back to your tip of your week. Tip of the week, uh, just a real quickie. Um, Cam was mentioning how blustery and windy it was, so <laughs> photography was out of the question. However, if you find yourself life was almost out of the question. That's right, and you you want to keep taking long exposure photos like the one over my shoulder there. Um, weighing down your tripod can be a really simple thing to do. Um, the way I do it is I actually hang my camera bag off the bottom of my tripod because quite often there's a couple of lenses in there that, that just adds a little bit yeah. more, even more stability when you're out shooting with your tripod in windy conditions. Um, do you have a do you have a little a little hook off your tripod? I don't. Um, no, neither do I. No, some so how, do, how, do, how do you hang your bag off? Um, so the design of my tripod, where the it's not here. It's, it's in my van, so I can't even show you. But the design of my tripod, um, where it has the little the little clips that you push in to make the legs uh, go out yeah, further, yeah. you can actually hook stuff there pretty easily. Uh, so, yeah, okay. Particularly yeah. if you've got a strap of a camera bag or something like that. Yeah. Um, one time, uh, speaking of Ockies, I used an Ockie strap and a rock to anchor down my tripod once on right. as well. So that can be really useful as well. So what I'm getting at there is long exposure times in particular, um, just a millimeter of movement can completely yes. talk yeah. about focus. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. It'll be over. Yeah. Another another good thing you can do talking about weighing down your tripod. It's something I do. I, I don't weigh it down as such. Usually the camera's enough for me, but I, I create myself as a human shield from the direction of the wind's coming, unless it's coming straight on. Um, so I try and put myself in line with the wind to stop any of that buffering happening that you're talking about, that sort of millisecond of movement. Yeah. Yep. So that's a good one to do as well. But yeah, weigh your tripod down. Uh, for you guys that are still shooting DSLRs, that comes naturally yeah. uh, with what's on top of your tripod. But um, yeah, even I've, I've even put little rocks around the bottom of my tripod to try and help it stand still. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a good one. A good little tip. Nice. Okay. Uh, dear Cam, where where's, the jing- the- where's the jingle? Can I be bothered editing in jingles? Probably not. Um, <laughs> do you edit these too? <laughs> <laughs> morning, morning, gentlemen. Morning somewhere. Evening. Um, wonderful show. Thanks. Your competition and the very worthy winner. Mm, was a good winner. Uh, prompted this question. I am an ancient person. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm an queen? ancient person who moved from micro four thirds in brackets Olympus years ago for the size and weight and the quality of the glass who moved to micro four thirds. Right. Yeah. Uh, for the size and weight and quality of glass. I also have a natural bent towards the four-third aspect ratio or even one-to-one from my 120 roll film days. Yeah, cool. I like it. However, I now display all my old and new images on a 16 by 9 widescreen 
attached to a network storage unit. Okay, I'm with you. Yep, yep. Um, this is forcing me to rethink composition when shooting. I'm wondering how the professionals deal with this. Why the hell is he asking us then? <laughs> yeah, no, wrong you, show. Don't ask a professional, mate. <laughs> yeah, it's it. <laughs> do, you, do you shoot with the final format in mind? Mm. Do you shoot multiple compositions of the same subject for different presentations? I would love to hear your thoughts on the issue. Regards, Ian Reed. Hello, Ian. Thanks for the question. Thanks for tuning in, Cameron. The floor is yours. That's a good. That's a really good question. Um, yeah. Look, you know, micro four thirds have the the four three ratio, which is a bit different to the two three ratio. I think, which is the normal full frame ratio. I, I do also love the one by one ratio from the one twenty film days. Sometimes I'll shoot like that uh, purposely. Um, but I reckon what, what I do, I, I generally shoot in the native natural or native ratio of the sense that I'm using. Um, but every now and then I might swap into nine, a 16 by nine format just because that's, I like to do a lot of panoramas or a lot of shots of that, that ratio. But I don't think I necessarily shoot with a final frame in mind or a ratio. Um, but I think some scenes just present themselves where you think, okay, that's, that's going to work really nice as 16 by nine. Um, and sometimes when you've got a bit too much sky and foreground, when you're editing, I'll go, oh, you know what? There's a bit too much empty space at the top or the bottom. Let's just let a box it out and, and sort of cut it out without losing any major details. So um, I guess I guess subconsciously we, we do shoot with some sort of format in mind, but I don't think it's many different formats. I think 16 by 9, 1 to 1. And I like doing also the old X-Pen. I think it's 60, 65 by 24 format uh which is a real bit more of a skinnier format uh, they're probably the three i use um i don't shoot multiple compo compositions in regards to that same subject so i wouldn't say right i'm going to shoot this as a square crop and then i'll shoot that as a 16 by 9 and then readjust i, I generally just shoot the scene and and come up with that later on and sometimes you'll know when you shoot that you go you'll come back to your computer and go yep that's going to be a square crop or that's going to be a 16 by 9 Sometimes you you don't. Sometimes you get back to your computer and you think, yep, that's that's what I shot it at, but it's it's not working. I think I need to do something else. So I would say as a as a practice, probably keep shooting in your normal format, but play around with a couple of standard ones like the 16 by 9 or the the, the square crop and and then you'll get a bit of a feel for your shots uh, as you start editing which ones work and which ones don't. I really <clears throat> there goes my voice. I really like Ian uh <laughs> when he mentions uh, square ratio, one-to-one, -one, yeah. um, can be a heap of fun, one-to-one -one mm. ratio. Um, I, I, I actually find it quite a challenge to shoot in one-to-one. One -one. It does help your composition a lot because yeah. you've really got to be picky with what you leave in and what you keep out. Yeah. So, for example, the shot behind you, Cam, your little, the little pandemi there off, off your right shoulder, that would make a pretty cool square crop. Um, yeah. you know, with that pandemi sort of bottom left-ish, that would make a pretty cool square crop. You could almost cut that photo clean in half and have a good square on either side. So You could. How the hell um, did I get out of this picture without meaning to? You did well. I like it. Good <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, um, the good, the yeah. other thing as well on that as well um, is even if you, you can shoot in ratios in your camera, but what it does, it still gives you the full raw ratio. Yes, that's right. So, it yeah, you the full uh, sensor. Yeah. That's right. So even if you want to, you can say, right, I'm going to shoot one-to-one -one all day, like I'm shooting on some old 120 film, and you can shoot that way. But when you get back, your raw file is still going to have all the detail of that full sensor. That's right. So you can you can go either way. You can say, right, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to shoot a bit different today and shoot in a ratio only. Yeah. Or you can shoot normally and then fix it up later on. Yeah, we, we should run a competition down the track for square landscapes. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe Why don't we do it next month? Well, sure. Let's do that next month. Done. Okay. We just make decisions just like that on the fly. No, it's not. It's in the um, running sheet, isn't it? <laughs> so one thing I will say, though, Ian, um, if I can switch it to a dear Brendan for a second, is when you're shooting in peculiar aspect ratios, so when you're going away from your three to two, just keep in the back of your mind when you're printing photos, um, if, you're print if you're just going to go and get a heap of photos printed in a six by four, for example, that's a three to two ratio. If you've got squares, if you've got nine, six, 16 by nine crops, all that sort of stuff, uh, aspect ratios, you are going to get areas of white on your paper. You might have white lines either side if you're doing a square, or you might have uh, white lines top and bottom if you want to print on standard photographic sizes, six by four, five by seven, six by nine, et cetera. Of course, most places 
including camera and photo, will print your photos square if you want them to. But generally speaking, you will pay a premium for that kind of service because it's a yeah. paper change and all that sort of stuff. So just bear that in mind. If you're printing your photos, if you plan on printing your photos, my opinion would be shoot in, as Cam said, use the full resolution of the sensor. If yep. you've got a 3.2 sensor, um, use use it in 3.2. If you've got a four-third sensor, shoot in four-thirds and crop after the fact. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, because then you're not missing out on anything. You're putting a... Uh, you're putting your eggs in all baskets. I think just That's just as much as that you might. Completely the wrong analogy. Anyway, <laughs> eggs in someone's basket. I, uh, I think if you look at that as well, that okay, you might say, right, I'm going to shoot. Oh, I'm going to shoot. That looks really good as one by one, and then you get back to your computer and go, oh, okay, it's not going to look like that. Well, the same can look the other way around. You can say, oh, I'll do this big, nice, big vista, but oh, hang on a sec, there's a little square bit out of there. So, I think if you if you don't tie yourself down to a ratio, it opens opens up all the options for you when you're editing. Um, and then you can always crop down. And with the sensors these days, you can crop pretty heavily and still re retain all the resolution or some of it. So, yeah, that's a good question. Absolutely. Um, so there you go, Ian. Hopefully that has answered it for you or probably, as we normally do on DeerCam, confuse it even more. If you, go on, I was waiting for it. If you have a DeerCam <laughs> question, uh, please send it in to us. Uh, send it through our socials. I'm building a website for it, so <laughs> no, <you're not. laughs> that should not. be up and running by 2027. So yeah, when uh, we get the next king, <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. Um, so we we are. I'm working on a website where all of these resources will be in one place. So when the YouTube um, clip goes up, when the podcast goes up, it's all there. It's all clickable on one page. It yeah. will be the downsouthphotoshow.com.au probably, but maybe just a .com. Who knows? Whatever. We'll all right i'll look it. forward to hearing that yeah um I'll, I'm not even going to review it with you i'm just going to put it up good on you <laughs> why not um so what's coming up i know what's coming up for you you lucky bugger well i'm just looking at what's coming up for you you're not too bad either are you true uh, yeah. but you know i i see your flinders ranges <laughs> and I, uh, uh, and so I'm, I'm off to the flinders ranges on saturday or head off over that way saturday yep uh for a week uh, which is going to be really cool. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to the young guy, Oscar, um, who I've been teaching for the last few months. He's heading off to America, the lucky little bugger. Him and his family are heading off to America. He, he's, he's actually downloaded our Down South Photo Show episodes to listen to on the plane. So um, how good is that? We're going to, we'll be into it. Make sure when you get over there that you spread the word, mate, that you tell anyone in New York you come across, <laughs> have you heard about the Down South Photo Show? Right. He's going to B&H Camera Shop in New York. Oh, he needs to have some merch when he goes in there. I think so. We, oh, it's too late now. <laughs> Maybe he, he can just go in there and just drop our name everywhere. That'd be exactly. good. Yeah, um, I've also um, just put together my 2023 calendars. They're available awesome. on the website. And we have just announced that um, we're putting uh, Tom and Tom Putt and myself are putting our Cradle Mountain book out to get printed very soon. So we have a book coming out for Christmas that's on Cradle Mountain in the Overland Track. Fantastic. Uh, it's a hundred pictures each. It's a big thirty by thirty big coffee table book. Looks going to look fantastic. The images in there, well, I'll say it, they look awesome. But that's a bit, being a bit biased. But that is also on the website if you want to have a check that out. Um, we'll put some details in the can links I, below. Can, can you put me down for a copy, please? I can put you down for a copy. Absolutely. Autograph by both of you. Yes. Uh, we thought about that after the point. We're like, what about if both people want us to sign? That's so right. We're, You're going to have to ship it from you to him. To no, no. We're going to we're gonna have a signing day at, at yes. Chadston. At, Dim at Dimmicks. <laughs> at Dimmicks. <laughs> are, they, are, Dimmicks? are they even around anymore? Borders. Angus, and, Angus and Robertson. Angus and Robertson. That's right. Yeah. 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 I don't know if they exist anymore. Probably not. So my Flinders ranges are good. Shout out to Oscar again and the calendar yep. and the book. But that has nothing on what you're doing well i am off to new zealand now the thing is i might not be off to new zealand and there might be another podcast episode in between because i'm not going until the end of september but uh have you jumped not, again well you might not be able to do a podcast so we don't know we'll, just, I, we'll play this by you i can so. probably i can probably do one yes okay well we'll yeah, work that but... out but uh, I'm, I'm off to new zealand at the end of the month i am awesome. really looking forward to it uh need some r and r 10 days over there um, we we quite often visit my brother who is in the North Island just out of Napier, and he has got some gorgeous stretches of beach. He's got he's got everything there. It's it's actually Napier is a great area of New Zealand because it's way down the pecking order of where tourists generally yes. fill up the tourist <clears throat> hotspots. Um, 
Well, North Island in general is a little bit overlooked given that yeah. all the action happens down around Milford Sound, Queenstown. Yeah. You know, Mount Cook is all in the South Island. But um, mm. where where my brother is, uh, he's, yeah, he lives on, lives literally, his property is on the Tookie Tookie River, which is um, a fly fishing mecca, mecca in yeah. New Zealand. Um, there's old bridges there. There's, there's beautiful farmlands. There's sheep. Yeah. Really? In, in New Zealand? <laughs> and we go fishing and um, it's brilliant. So I'm looking forward. I will take some photos, there's no doubt, but you, uh, you better. It, it, it is more of a more of a rest and relaxation thing before the absolute craziness that yes. will be November, December comes around. So Yes, it will be. It's getting yeah. here. Christmas will be here before you know it. Oh, you had to say the C word, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Hey, do you know our good old friend who lives in WA? Yes. I think he was from Napier, wasn't he? Uh, he's from that area, yeah. And yeah, he's in from fact, that area. In fact, where my brother's uh, beach batch is, his beach shack, the yes. batch as they call them in New Zealand, is at a place called Waimarama. And our friend from Perth has spent quite a few years of his formative years on the beach yes. at Waimarama. So, g'day uh, to our know, friend in WA if you're listening. He knows the uh, he knows the Hawks Bay. So it's Hawks Bay. Hawks that, Bay, yeah. that's the one. Yes. Yeah. So the, the Hawks Bay Magpies is the local rugby team. So yes. uh, he's yes. all about them. So. But yes, yeah. look very much looking forward to that. So uh, I think we better call it a wrap. And this episode's gone way, way too long. Has it? How long have we? I'm been not sure. I'm not even sure. It's probably going to go about forty. You know what? It's almost fifty-three minutes. We do that a lot, don't we? Hey, the fifty-three consciously fifty-three factorial. Yes. Have you, heard, have you heard about that one? Yes, it's one more than the fifty-two factorial. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. But it's so much more than just one more. That is more. Hey, you know what? I got <laughs> I got corrected on the weekend by our friend Phil about Mount Nung Nung Nung. Nung, Nung? Yes. yes. I still can't pronounce it, but he pronounced it correctly and I clearly didn't. Yeah. So, um, right. He told yeah. you how to do it. He did tell us how to do and it. You, but that... And you've already forgotten. Yep. That's fine. <laughs> that was one of the Glasshouse Mountains, right? It was one of them, yeah. yes. Mount Nung. I think it's Nung Nung. Funnily, funnily enough, it still is, but there you go. God. Um, yeah, this has been one for the ages. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you enjoy your trip. Thanks, travel mate. safely to Flinders Ranges. We'll probably touch base from there. We might even would we record an episode from? We'll I think we I like I think the fact that we did one from Cradle Mountain the other day on my little laptop here. I That's think right. it, I think it'll work. So I think it'll work very uh, well. I'm looking I'm, forward to it. I, have, I actually genuinely sincerely mean this. I wish I could take the week off and come with you. It yeah, sounds like it's going to be awesome. Well, I just did a quick uh, Google search, um, and four minutes ago, would you believe mm-hmm. there was one put up about the wildflowers starting to come out? So there you go. Only uh, so they came out four minutes ago. That's, that's yeah, just like spring. Here we are. It's there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode fifty-three of the Down South Photo Show. We will see you for epi, epi. We will see you for episode fifty-four next week. Cheerio. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>